We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the home of professional football, Canton, Ohio. Hello and welcome to another episode of the College to Canton podcast, the perfect show for any and every college football and NFL fan. I am your host, Stefan Leco, and you can find me on Twitter at StefanLeco. And we have Travis May here, the OG at FF underscore Travis M. Travis, how are you doing tonight? I love your Purdue shirt, by the way. Heck yeah, man. Got to represent the uh, the stud Purdue Boilermakers. They're good at basketball. Not so much yeah. Not so much football. Uh, what's Purdue, that seven-footer dude? His, his, what's his name? That, say what? That seven-footer the they have. Oh, my gosh. Okay, um, never mind. I'm going to – I know his name. Like, I watched, like, I watched games last week. <laughs> I, I'm, he's my good. Brain's just, my or brain's he's just big. been – Yeah, Zach Eady is his name. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, he's yeah. huge. Uh, I don't know why I just had a brain fart there. It is because I'm a, a dad now and had two mm-hmm. little kids and yeah. But anyway, uh, no, I'm doing doing Purdue well. I, I will say I did dig into some Purdue numbers uh, recently, and uh, Purdue uh, football has uh, one season of ten wins or more in its entire history. So uh, what? Yeah. <laughs> They've been pretty bad. They've been really bad. We don't we don't need yeah. to bore our listeners with how how bad Purdue has been, but they're not much like they're they're maybe two rungs higher than Vanderbilt football. But not, so when I when I watched when I started watching college football when I moved here, this is dating yeah. myself. Drew Brees, you know, so it's like yeah. Drew yeah, Brees. I mean, was they were good. Was they that the one year? Was was that like oh nine? nine. Okay, yeah, sounds good. Well, hey, we're we're not here to talk about Port Purdue yeah. or Drew yeah. Brees. We are going to talk about uh this upcoming rookie draft talk about some of these players look at some of this mock draft data that you've been uh scraping which just sounds cool but before we jump into that travis can we talk a little bit about the transfer portal i was just saying before we hit record that i feel like we could do an entire episode on the transfer portal um even (laughs) just should even just philosophically just what it does and doesn't mean for a player's career uh entering I, one of the things that's going to drive me crazy, Travis, because this happens every year, is an average quarterback who's leaving a average team is going to go to a different, somewhat better average school and get hyped up like Brennan Armstrong did last year. 
And, and, and so many of these guys, Sam Hartman for a minute was being talked about as a Heisman candidate for Christ's sake. Like people go crazy and then they fall back to earth or they never go up to begin with. And, and these average players remain average. It's just, do you know what I'm saying? Am I crazy here? Uh, no, not at all. Um, every single year, uh, I think uh, a lot of these players get pumped up just because they're in, an, in a new spot and we think that's going to fix everything, even though they weren't like a super elite player. And, you know, they might actually flash for like the first, um, you know, four or five weeks in the softer part of their schedule. And that was actually the yeah. case with like the, the Sam Hartman example. Uh, yeah. he, he was doing great because he was basically facing no pressure whatsoever. I was like, Bo Nix at the top facing like literally less than 5% pressure on his snaps. And then like right behind him was Sam Hartman for the first like four weeks of the season. And so his efficiency profile was pretty decent, but then he kind of faded. And you know, when things actually got real, uh, he, you know, finished outside the top 20, you know, even top 25 at the position on the year by most numbers that matter. So, yeah, I think, you know, there's, there's always the favorite in, in the portal too. Like I, I really I do have a lot of hope for players like Aiden Childs of, out of a uh, quarterback out of Oregon state. I feel you know, bad was, for Oregon state losing yeah. DJU and Childs, and, Aiden like, Childs oh. and their head coach. And you know, it's, it's just, uh, yeah, not great, but I think he's going to have success. It seems like he's going to Michigan state, but yeah, we should do kind of a transfer special here soon and yeah. break down a lot of these guys. Um, Next but week. I think, you know, some of the, some of these guys have come up in this conversation because I mean, I, I kind of want to title this episode, you know, like 2024 NFL draft rookie class risers. Cause a lot of these are players who are rising and their stock is solidifying because they are either declaring for the NFL draft or we're seeing their name uh, go early enough to warrant interest in uh, current mock drafts right now. So there are a lot of players that after the dust has kind of settled and it is settling now, uh, now that the college football season is kind of uh, over. Um, Not kind you know, of, it, Travis. It's I just mean, over. I mean, the, the regular season, championship weekends, <laughs> the bowl games don't even really count anymore because so many people opt out. And um, I can't even – we were talking about this on my other show on Ready Bad Action. And, yeah. like, I'll watch some of the games. There's no way in the hell I'm going to bet any of them. There's no yeah, way to know tough. what's going to happen. It really is like, That's going to get wild. <laughs> It's but, it's uh maybe live betting sure but I'm not yeah. like nothing yeah. is sacred over there. <laughs> no. But before we do dive dive into really a bunch of and we really do want to just tackle um the first glimpse of what could be the 2024 kind of rookie player pool because uh, a lot of people just want to kind of put a name to the face of their uh, implied future rookie picks um, where these players could go. Uh, what current consensus is right now so that once the bullets start flying and all the really bad content starts coming out in January with all these people that are, you know, just finding out who these players are and, you know, planting their flags and, you know, having horrible takes uh, when that, all that starts happening, we have kind of like a a starting bar uh, for reality and what things looked like before things really got crazy. Um, And so, yeah, I think it's, it's a kind of a good conversation to just tackle the elite talents in this class um, and also the tier two, tier three, tier four potential risers uh, to watch for. Uh, and really, I think we're going to just outline, um, at least in, in, with some brevity here, you know, a top 48, I think we can do uh, and, and just give some people uh, an idea of what this class might look like. And it's kind of entirety with your upcoming dynasty fantasy rookie drafts. You know, some players that, that your team might want to target in late rounds if you're just rooting for real football purposes as well. So. Uh, but before that, I just I want to just mention some of the guys who have kind of said, hey, I'm returning or they're almost definitely returning or they're in the transfer portal. So they're most likely re- returning that kind of deal. 
Um, and Quinn Ewers was a surprise. Uh, and I am kind of surprised that we haven't heard a lot of buzz already from the, the Texas quarterback room of another name jumping in the portal just yet, aren't you? Yeah, I mean, I kind of expect that either Malik Murphy or Arch Manning jumps. I would assume Malik after his kind of mediocre performances, he did, he didn't look great. So it's not like Texas is going to feel uh, obligated to, to stick with him. So I, I think Arch with the pedigree, if you want to keep him, you need to give him that job. So I would think Malik yeah. Murphy hits the transfer portal. Yeah, I think that's, that's definitely likely. Uh, but Quinn, you were just returning was, was kind of fun because we needed some life for the 2025 uh, NFL draft class, because it was going to be really weird. this coming off season. If we just had basically, no returning quarterbacks that had any business being projected in the first round, which was kind of where we were headed. If, uh, if Quinn Ewers didn't, uh, you know, choose to come back. Um, and I know some people want to say that Shador Sanders is, you know, a first round. No, I'm a, I well. love the, I love and, my uh, buffs and I, we need to slap people who, who speak such yeah. nonsense. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, the, with them both returning, uh, it, you know, it makes it slightly interesting. If, you know, if somebody like a Shador or, or somebody likes to like a Quinn Ewers or something like that takes a, one more uh, next step. They, they could be kind of a, a pretty fun first round projection, but Shudor is definitely not that now. Quinn was actually a consensus quarterback three for a lot of the fall, according to all the mock draft data uh, that's out there. He and was my, really, he was my quarterback three. Yeah. And, and really realistically, I mean, just from an analytics perspective, you know, in terms of his EPA per play, his adjusted net yards per attempt, um, a bunch of, uh, you know, passing game, isolated metrics versus in, in, we're, we're really promising his rushing's not that great. He's not super mobile, Quinn Ewers, that is, out of Texas. Uh, but, um, yeah, I, I think he was, by the, most numbers that matter, he was like a top 12 quarterback in college football, which was really promising. So if he improves at all next year, I think it's going to be in, kind of an easy conversation to just say, yeah, he's a quarterback one for 2025. Um, so that's that's cool to kind of have at least one name that we can confidently you know, put up there for next year. <laughs> uh, otherwise it was going to be really messy with a bunch of really clickbaity nonsense. Uh, and it might still be, it probably is. What about, what about Dylan Gabriel? Who's being rumored to Oregon. Do you think he, he's not going to be good enough for NFL just based on size and the fact that he's going to be 76 years old. I think that's not fair. In fact, a lot of assumptions on him uh, in, in um, really a bunch of uh, college football podcasts. is like, you know, I just, you know, he doesn't really project well as the pros. Like, why doesn't he besides his height? Uh, I, I think the other uh, uh, knock you might hear is, uh, he, well, he's only really had success with Jeff Levy's scheme or in a very specific type of scheme. And and so he just is not going to work out. And uh, that's also just really dumb. That, that's something that people said, like, you know, uh, 10 years ago when they didn't, when you, people just didn't actually adjust to the players that they had still. Uh, the NFL yeah. was holding way more than they are even now. Um, and so I think that we can find uh, the right spot uh, for Dylan Gabriel and he might find success at the NFL level. And analytically speaking, he was like a top five quarterback. Uh, I mean, I've loved him. Matter. So, yeah. yeah, we've loved him since his UCF days. Like, I mean, yeah. we've liked him for a long time. So, yeah, and uh, I'm not saying yeah. he's going to be a first round pick. I'm not even saying he's going to be like an early day two pick. But I'd, I'd say that there is a real chance he is somewhere in day two when it's all said and done because his profile is going to be ridiculous. Even though he's going to be older, he's going to have like two, three plus years of really impressive uh, play by the numbers that matter in projecting quarterback NFL success. So, yeah, uh, wherever you he know, lands, 
he's going to be a star and probably make his team a playoff team right away. Uh, another another quarterback that I think is going to have a huge rise um, now that they've hit the transfer portal is Cam Ward. I think he could elevate himself pretty high up. Uh, I could see. I kind of just envision him going to Florida State for some reason, but <laughs> we'll see. Yeah, to me, um, so he, he's an interesting one because he's another kind of like very specific uh, scheme fit guy. Um, and he actually, when he was an incarnate word, he put up decent stats there and people saw the tools. Um, he kind of had a weird recruiting journey. He was like, a, like an option kind of run offense who didn't really get to throw and show off his arm. So there was a bunch of promise. He's been toolsy. Um, he leaves incarnate word uh, and the, the offense actually improves. Uh, like they have like one of the best offensive years ever. They make the playoff and um, they, they, they do so. So with uh, Lindsey Scott last year and Washington state, he does pretty well. Uh, I guess it was 20 well, last year. He did pretty well, but um, not like elite numbers by any, by any means this year, he started off really elite, like a top 10 kind of player in the sport. But then uh, when the season ended and the dust settled, it was like, eh, he's actually barely a top 25 quarterback by the numbers that matter. Uh, and I don't really want to get into the, the depth and breadth of his profile because it's just a bunch of numbers. Uh, we can do that on a separate show. But I wouldn't actually be surprised if he lands in uh, a less than perfect scenario for him, you know, chasing that that, that payday. I wouldn't be surprised if his, his stock actually drops uh, because he's going to be learning a new system. And unless it's kind of some kind of air raid based system, I'm, I worry about his immediate success um, and, and consistent, you know, downfield accuracy issues. So. He could work out, but I think people in general are a little bit too bullish on him. And I know he's like a top five or six projection in the portal um, just based on the tools. But uh, he, well, thank he, you he really for another step, in my opinion. Thank, I mean, I'm gonna say thank you for no, 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 no. Thanks yeah. for, for it's a nice ice bath on what was a lovely, uh, lovely afternoon. I <laughs> really uh, <laughs> raining on my parade here. But uh, I'll, I'll tell you what we you've brought this up. Um, you've brought this up many times this year and it's just gotten worse. The running back situation for next year is just uh, <laughs> brutal. Uh, Rocket yeah. Sanders coming back. I think Jonathan Brooks because of the injury is probably going to come back. Um, yeah. you, you, you would, you have it in the show sheet that Trevion Henderson yeah. is rumored to I be mean, returning. Oh my God. <laughs> like if he does come back, that'll be, I mean, that well, they be, can make, it's because there's not really a financial motivation to jump unless you're going to be one of the top two or three running backs taken. Because after those first couple, it's a it's a crapshoot. You could like we've seen guys that we really really like that end up still producing in the NFL go a lot later than they should because NFL decision makers are kind of stupid sometimes. <laughs> um, so like, I mean, think about like a guy like Devin Atchain, like he should have been drafted way higher than he was like, but, and if he's able to make a million bucks or 700 K in college for a year, maybe boost his stock a little bit and then get that first paycheck. It's just an extra year of getting paid. That's how yeah, I see yeah. it. Yeah. And so I get that, it from their perspective. Just, yeah. It's safe. Cause you really don't know how early you're going to go. I mean, like if you yeah. just test wrong at the NFL combine, you can go from, you know, consensus top five running back in the class to, you know, day late day three pick like Kyron Williams did. And I saw something where he actually made less money most likely than Trevion Henderson did uh, this year. Cause Kyron Williams in his rookie contract yeah. versus Trevion Henderson. Crazy. In the NIL deal situation. Doesn't surprise uh, but, me though. 
Right, exactly. But that that is if if you actually drop that far. And it, it seemed like it was just assumed that Trevion was probably, I mean, the mock draft data, like we can get to it, he was still a round two kind of projection um, in this class. Uh, maybe that wasn't going to be the case. Maybe he's going to be round three. But even if that's the case, it's going to be more guaranteed money than he would probably get in, via the NIL setup. So I know, I guess it's safer as known. And so yeah. part of it, I, I get it, but. Man, if I was a player, it's like I, I want to get to the pros. Like if I think I am a day one or two pick, even just a, a Travis, day two pick, you know, Travis, think what? about running through the tunnel on a Saturday afternoon with the sun blaring down on the field, the crowd going crazy, <laughs> chanting your you name. You don't want to risk landing with the all <laughs> career like immediately. You don't, you don't want to risk. <laughs> Not when you can just go to the go to the horseshoe every other you know come on let's go yeah I don't I, know I get it I get it there, there are different there's pros and cons and hey if you could if you could choose one landing spot for a Rocket Sanders where where would you choose Oh man uh, I've seen this week him like rumored even to South Carolina and uh, no. Like that, like this. Uh, they're, they're transitioning with their quarterback here, an outmatched SEC opponent to like everybody that you play. So he's leaving one program that was kind of in shambles this year and like resetting things uh, to go to another that's not going to be favored or in a nice situation for him, really. So I, I, I would, I would say go to like a, a lower level power five in, in the Big Twelve and just like smash some people, you know, like. Just getting a decent opportunity uh, where you know you're going to have a decent projection, like even like a even even a program like a I'm sorry UCF baby like a UCF actually that would be fantastic or even that like would a, be so fun, dude. Actually, yeah. Uh, yeah, that like won't happen because they're joining but... the ACC. Yeah, or like a you know or like even That'd like a Houston, um, you know somewhere that it would be fun because you would probably be the clear runaway, just obvious like most obviously talented player on the team immediately. Like that kind of yeah that kind of deal. So, I don't know if there's like a perfect spot, but it would be be good for him to get in a situation where he can just show off uh, that he's not actually washed because like he did not look fast or or bursty like he did the year prior right. you know, at his size. So just get healthy, Rocket Sanders. Um, we love you. Yes, yes. Please do get healthy. Do you Sanders want to? Jonathan Brooks. Oh my gosh! Please. Get yeah, healthy. man. I it I I feel like I cursed him because I was talking up how much. I loved it and how right I was. Um, should we take a break and then on the other side, get into the uh, 2024 player pool? Let's do it. Let's do it. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. 
That's indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, we are back. Do check out Game Time, by the way. They are fantastic. Uh, I'll be using them. I'm taking the kiddos to a Nuggets game on the 16th because my girlfriend's taking my daughter to the Nutcracker. And I was like, how about... <laughs> I go to a basketball game and I'll use game time to get my tickets. And I did. And it was lovely. Let's get into the 2024 uh, player pool, Travis. The entire player pool, top 48 right now, according to mock draft data. And so uh, for those following along with me on Twitter or X at FF underscore Travis M, I throughout this fall have been updating this mock draft data. I I basically kind of build a a couple of different web scrapes to quickly pull like an update of all the like this week's mocks or last week's mocks and kind of combine it with data I've been pulling and, um, you know, giving like an update, like, you know, the, you know, a hundred plus mocks in the last eight weeks or 60 plus mocks in the last five weeks. Or like this week was, uh, you know, I kind of took a narrow view of like the back half of the season and uh, a few weeks after a couple weeks after that to give us a look at a hundred plus mocks of uh, mock draft data in a seven week span uh, to kind of give us a, a good look at what consensus was. Uh, you know, late in the, in the season, you know, end of the season and in the last couple of weeks, just to kind of gauge uh, what we're really looking at. Uh, and I know that there are great resources like Mock Draft Database is, is a great one um, to reach out to get a, a snapshot of consensus data. But what I find is a lot of sites and, and people that try to you know put mocks together, their ADP is, is uh, working with uh, like short term windows of, of sample size. Um, that, well, a short-term window is so that there are sample size issues where you're like getting data for running backs and wide receivers that are only selecting like three spots for the entire window that they're really kind of pulling that ADP in from. But if you, you know, zoom out of it and take like a hundred plus data points of like six, seven, eight weeks, you get a better idea and more accurate, I think, look at what true consensus is, uh, cause you have more data, more, more data points to kind of reference. And, um, and so that, that's the goal. Uh, and to no one's surprise, I think uh, he has been actually dropping in a couple mocks here and there. And when I say dropping, I mean like the low point of like pick six, uh, mostly still pick, pick one. But Caleb Williams uh, consensus right now, uh, his average draft spot is still inside pick two, but it's just barely. Uh, and, you know, it's pick one, pick two, pick three projection kind of player overall. But he's slotted to be the number one overall pick still. Uh, does that surprise you at all? Or do you, do you think anybody... I guess who are the players that you could see overtaking Caleb Williams in, in you know consensus fantasy football rookie drafts? I don't think there is one. I mean, Marvin Harrison maybe just because dude's special. I mean, absolutely yeah. special. And I know that um, Caleb Williams will come under a lot of scrutiny. Uh, I know some people have no problem myself included by the way have no problem with crying after the game but for some people that's a big deal and they don't like it so 
Uh, and it's not like Drake may put together this perfect season, you know, they didn't win very many games. He didn't play outstanding football. So there's no one outside of uh, Marvin Harrison jr. That I could see uh, jumping him. I don't know though. Yeah. I'm always surprised. So <laughs> some players get taken way too high for me. So uh, I, I could be wrong, but I, I still think Caleb Williams is the one one yeah, I, I do too. I mean, he he had like back to back ninety fifth percentile plus seasons, and uh, this year was less than perfect at times, but really just for like a two game window. Uh, other than that, he's been pretty fantastic still. So, yeah, it's no no brainer that he's still consensus. You know, fantasy football rookie pick number one and pick number one overall consensus in the real NFL draft. Uh, but beyond that, uh, we have, uh, to no one's surprise, I think, Marvin Harrison Jr. is uh, slated to be the consensus second overall pick in next year's NFL draft. Um, that's been the case for a while, I guess. Uh, you know, for a while, you know, he got as low in my data, if you zoom in to, you know, like a few week window, is like pick five overall consensus. But for the most part, he's been a top five projection uh, since like this past spring. And so Marvin Harrison Jr., wide receiver Ohio State, son of Hall of Famer, uh, and all this, all this nonsense about him potentially returning to the school is hilarious. Like that is, there is a zero percent chance that that's happening with Marvin Harrison Jr. Like he could, he could actually be the first overall pick, and it's probably not going to happen. But there's, there's a non-zero chance that he's the first overall pick in, in next year's draft. So uh, he's not turning that kind of money down. There's a higher chance that he plays in a bowl game this year, and he's not going to play in a bowl game. <laughs> um, no. no, I like that a lot. And I think, too, with where the NFL is going, where you see that offenses, I mean, offenses that we like, I guess, smart offenses are um, using their weapons like well. Like you look at what Miami does with Tyreek Hill, and you see what some of these teams do to scheme their explosive players and i and i think marvin harrison jr if if someone can get him that knows how to use him is going to be absolutely ridiculous yeah absolutely so he's he's the runaway wide receiver one still there are a couple players that are at least in the same stratosphere maybe uh projected uh, this year at the position but uh he's you know gonna be a top five overall pick almost a lock to be the first non-quarterback taken in the draft after that, you already mentioned his name. Drake May is the third overall player in projection uh, in the real draft and probably the QB2 in most uh, rookie drafts next spring and still by consensus. I know Jaden Daniels is rising up into that conversation really quickly, but out of the well over 200 mock drafts that I have in my database, uh, there was only one draft that he didn't appear. Uh, and the, you know, the majority of them are you know, like 75% of them are just one round mocks because a lot of people don't go deeper than that for months okay. at a time. I was about to lose my mind. Yeah, it's not like he's, he's he didn't you know make it in a seven round mock. There was one. First <laughs> round. Um, I, I believe it was like the first couple of weeks when he was uh, actually playing fairly poorly uh, to start the season, where, where he didn't yeah. appear in the first round. It was just one draft out of seriously well over two hundred that I already have in my da- database, uh, and and there's basically only six other players in the whole database that have been in sele- selected in all but one draft, and he's one of those players. And so I don't know. He's still, I, I know it wasn't a perfect season by the numbers. He was actually barely a top 15 quarterback uh, on the season. That, I mean, but last year he was like number one for most of the year, like even ahead of Caleb Williams at times. So I'm not really worried about it um, in terms of all the meaningful projectable metrics uh, that matter. So we've already seen him uh, succeed 
Uh, and at times he looked exactly the same, making ridiculous throws. A few more errant decisions this year. Uh, it really helped when he got Devontae Walker back in the mix and got a real weapon to throw to this year. But uh, is he still your quarterback too, or is, is anyone even close? No, he's he's still my quarterback too. And and you you, you mentioned uh, Devontae Walker. I mean, I don't think the majority of average college football fans could name another catch pass catcher on that Tar Heels team. You know, they they well, they don't. You don't know Kobe Pesor. <laughs> well, I do, and I know yeah. Nesbitt too, baby. Yeah. Um, and, Co- and Corrales. I mean, I can go deep. That tight end uh, room is Corrales, deep, I, Travis. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't think Corrales is actually there anymore. I think he's no, like I think he went to. I think, and I think he went to Texas State. Anyway, um, yeah. I, uh, I, I think like even though they didn't have like top end talent in Deami Brown and and Caleb Downs and and whatnot. Uh, Josh Downs, Josh sorry, Nelson. yeah, Josh Downs. Caleb's his brother um, going to be right. <laughs> um, but like, they don't have many people there right now, and so I'm not surprised by the lack of production. And, and so, to me, I, I like Drake May. I do think he might have a slower start in the NFL, uh, but I, I think eventually he he takes he takes over, and I think he's a good pick. Um, the next guy on this list is someone that's very interesting to me because in the right system, Brock Bowers could be an absolute monster. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And to no surprise, like he had like a 99.9 percentile kind of production profile. Uh, one of the best college producers at the position of all time, if not the best. And and if you think so, about what he could do on this playoff push, it's super exciting. <laughs> I had to throw that in there. For all our- <laughs> yeah. What- yeah, which uh, which playoff game does Georgia play in? <laughs> oh, uh, the Oregon fan laughs in the, in his own sadness. Uh, yeah, exactly. But seriously, I mean, that would have been great to just see, you know, potentially the best player in college football get healthy for a playoff. But I didn't really want to see Georgia win again. So, yeah, you know, it is what it is. But, yeah, he's still uh, throughout this entire process. He's been a top tier uh, pick. Uh, I think there was a moment that he dropped like to pick like consensus, like pick 10, <laughs> but like that's been his low point in overall like consensus mock draft data since the spring, because we kind of knew he was a lock to be first round uh, draft capital kind of, kind of player. Um, and he's, he's one of those uh, other few players in the entire data set that has been selected in all, but one uh, draft out of like 200 plus mock drafts since I started tracking in the spring. So I'd say it's pretty safe. He's going first round. And so he's going to be on an Island, the tight end one, and most likely a top five pick in a lot of uh, rookie drafts, uh, depending on your format. Yeah. I mean, I play in a couple of two tight end leagues where he will be the one oh one. <laughs> well, mm. maybe Caleb yeah. still, but I mean, tight end premium, you have to start two of them. He'll go high after Brock Bowers. We have uh, four receivers in a row. Yeah. We have Malik neighbors, Rome Adunze, Keon Coleman, and Emeka Egbuka. One of these is not like the others, um, <laughs> in my opinion. Uh, Keon Coleman doesn't deserve He's to be favorite. in this list. Uh, Rome Adunze ha- just has been a monster so far this year um, and can really add to it with a playoff push. We'll see if that happens. Uh, Malik Neighbors with that LSU offense has been uh, insane. And then, of course, the Ohio State duo, um, is great. But uh, yeah, Keon Coleman, we've talked about him quite a bit. We think this is probably too high for him. But um, man, I've got so many Roma Dunze shares in um, 
Debbie formats because he was so cheap last year. Uh, it was ridiculous, and I'm very happy, even though I'm probably not going to be playing any of them next year because I'm just too busy with the other podcast. <laughs> but um, it's nice to know that I'll be leaving someone else with a lot of Roma Dunze shares. Yeah, this tier wide receiver is fun, though. Like I, you mentioned one not belonging, uh, and and we can get into why that is. Uh, just from a production profile standpoint, Guillen Coleman really stands out as the only player that has has not had a truly elite analytical uh, predictable season. Malik Neighbors uh, for LSU. Insane. Oh my gosh! Like I mean, so insane. It really ridiculous. I mean, even last year he was over a thousand uh, receiving yards, but this year he really legitimately. So he's actually projected to be the eighth overall pick right now by the mock mock draft data. Eighth overall pick in the NFL draft. That's not that far behind uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. That's that's elite level draft capital investment. Uh, and it's because he had a 100th percentile projected like, uh, a season, like by the numbers that matter. Like, you know, in, in terms of some just uh, variables that are independently uh, sticky and projecting to, you know, NFL success, receiving yards per team pass attempt is one. It's exactly what it sounds like if you're not familiar. Receiving yards per team pass attempt, the average NFL wide receiver that, that gets any draft capital whatsoever. Is averages like 2.5 yards per team pass attempt in, the, in their peak uh, college season. Like a really good, really good, like top-notch, top-tier, less than 30 players a year do this in the entire sport kind of player, less than 25 actually most of the time. Uh, and it's like is is three yards per team pass attempt. Like otherworldly, wildly productive, like off-the-charts crazy producers like break 3.5 yards, yards per team pass attempt on the season. He had 4.22 yards per team pass attempt which is like like 100 i already said it, like 100th percentile off the charts his touchdowns per team pass attempt uh off the charts like that that is less signal but it's still ridiculously through the roof uh, just absurd his, his yards per team plays over four which is i i actually haven't found another wide receiver in my database that even has that uh <laughs> it's just like you can go across the board with this product like production profile and it's just like what are we even looking at here He's a freaking alien. So uh, Neighbors does a, a great job um, getting really fun releases out of the slot. Uh, and when he's out, out wide, he, he wins in a variety of ways. Uh, one play I keep on, one particular play they, they keep on doing week over week, and I've seen this some uh, film draft next highlight this, is uh, his basically like uh, his kind of uh, corner fade out of the slot is just basically ends up being like a sprint to the end zone is really, really fun. Um, so. Uh, Bleak Neighbors just does so many things good. Wins deep, wins intermediate, wins all over the field. So I'm excited to see uh, how that works out. And him being a, a top 10 projection uh, of a draft pick is no surprise to me. Yeah, so Malik uh, has been putting together just crazy numbers, yet Keon Coleman, not so much, yet he has uh, moved up a ton since the beginning of the year. Do you mind explaining to people why maybe you and I uh, are not quite as high on him as others sure just from a um just like kind of film analysis standpoint that angle first uh so his he's not got the the, the craziest route tree diversity um and also on top of that he does have some contested catches where he does make some crazy plays uh he has a pretty low drop percentage that you, i mean that that translates when you're watching him on film as well uh, he makes some ridiculous plays there was one play i think it was just a, like a skinny post over the middle, 
Perfect read by Jordan Travis. He tosses it. It essentially went like around the hip or like under the leg of the like the defender. And Kian Coleman could hardly even see the ball. And he somehow like caught it in between like his own groaning legs and like rolled. And it was he makes a ridiculous highlight catch. It seems like once every week. Uh, and that, that showed up against LSU at the beginning of the, the season. Uh, he disappeared for the entire Clemson game, but just happened to win the, the game in overtime. Um, there were several plays where he just, you know, he'll moss somebody here and there. But he also does make bad mistakes, you know, kind of for a big guy does not win via the contested catch rate actually as much as you would expect. He did so a little bit more uh, in 2022, but didn't as much in 2023. In fact, for half the season, he had one of the worst contested catch rates in the country, as well as his teammate, uh, Johnny Wilson, uh, both massive wide receivers who should be better at that. So just some questions for me. Uh, when I watch him, I do see him kind of disappear for about, uh, you know, three quarters and 14 minutes of games uh, at times. Um, and that, that translates to his actual raw stats and adjusted yards per everything stats uh, being kind of poor because he just disappears. And I know that like old Travis, he's being, being blanketed by defenders and everything. You know what? He, he was getting some attention, but when Johnny Wilson w- was there, he Wilson was pulling a lot of attention as well and actually producing quite a bit himself. Um, and so I, it's just, there's, there's going to be a lot of built in excuses with Keon Coleman, but he went from essentially, you know, before the transfer, you know, not at all a day one or even two projection. Like there was a possibility. Hey, if he lands in the right spot, he lands in Florida state. Oh, the hype goes crazy. Um, uh, his, his first couple weeks, he makes some decent highlight catches and it was just like people, it was over. It was like, the discussion was over, like regardless yeah. of how the rest of the season goes, yeah. he's going to be a top 10 pick. And he was barely a top 100 production profile player this year. Like, seriously, like in the sport, like by the, the metrics that matter, uh, like yards per team, pass attempt, touchdowns per team, pass attempt, weighted dominator rating, EPA per, per, per play, yards per run, run, every single stat, basically. Uh, he was, uh, oh, actually the touchdown thing was not, he wasn't super low, but like most measures, he was well below, uh, you know, sure thing projection at the NFL level, unlike the other wide receivers in this tier. Yeah, uh, yet he has uh, jumped over Emeka Gluka, who's actually been falling. He was, I think, both of our wide receiver two coming into the year. Um, I'm not 100% sure if he was yours. He was mine. I had both Ohio State guys one and two, and now he is down to wide receiver five on this list, going um, right around 20th in, the, in those mock traps. So uh, do you think he's falling too much, or do you think that there is good reason for the dip? And do you think it's going to matter come actual draft day? Do you think he might actually get some better capital than this? Yeah, pick 20, I think it, sa- it sounds pretty decent. I mean, like we just saw Jackson Smith and Jigwood do almost nothing because of injury. But uh, what what he had going for him is that his uh, sophomore season, he went off like crazy alongside Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson. Uh, excuse me, Garrett Wilson. And uh, so we already kind of knew he was an absolute stud. And so you need that kind of elite level top tier season uh, before your final season, if if you're going to still get that uh, first round capital, um, and that's exactly what Nemeka Adruka had. He had a 99th percentile kind of year uh, as a year two player. You know how many other players in the entire uh, 2022 uh, season for college football were year two and had a 99th percentile production profile year? You know how many uh, other players there were? No, how There's many? One, and his name is Marvin Harrison Jr. Um, yeah, I was going to say, I thought maybe two, and you were going to surprise me well, with someone. Just but... one. And so I, I really am incredibly 
uh, pumped that he's going to be cheaper than he should be. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm sure it, it stinks for his guaranteed contract money, but for my leagues, I'm going to have more in Mecca Buka now than I did. I was going to have to before because he, you know, was playing less than 100% even when he was playing this year uh, and missed a lot of time this year. And so, yeah, I'll take that discount all day. And he is absolutely 150,000% better than Keon Coleman. I like it. Uh, closing out the first round, the final uh, four players here. We've got four quarterbacks. I'm going to lump them together in order. We've got J.J. McCarthy, Jaden Daniels, Michael Penix Jr., and Bo Nix uh, rounding out that first round. Uh, Jaden Daniels really has climbed this year. I'm kind of exp- uh, kind of surprised to still see Bo Nix in the in this first round. I thought he might need a bit of a. I thought him and Penix. I thought only one of them would probably stay in, and it would be whichever team uh, got to the playoff. Mm-hmm. But uh, but they're both still in there. So uh, JJ McCarthy. We'll see uh, if he ever has to throw the football mm-hmm. uh, in, in, in these big games, what he what he can do. Yeah, they're all uh, right now consensus pit picks between 23 and 30. I will say the most recent data in like the last 20 to 25 mocks for Jaden Daniels say he's probably going to be a top 10 pick. And I am, I'm thinking that here in a couple of weeks, that's going to be the pretty solid consensus that he is the third top 10 pick projection at, at the position if it isn't already kind of the case today. Uh, and then a clear four through six, just analytically like, speaking via their profiles and how they kind of finished this year. And uh, for their own reasons, whether it be age or a lack of, you know, needing to actually prove that they can pass like JJ McCarthy, there are other reasons why it kind of makes me think that, you know, there's, there's clear tier two with JJ McCarthy, Michael Penix and Bo Nix, even though right now the data hasn't quite caught up in like the last 100 plus mocks, just finishes the sample issue. Uh, Jaden Daniels will be, a top 10 projection here very soon, but Bonex still had a really, really incredible season. Like was top, top, top five player Penix, even after the, the down weeks still like top five ish in the country by a lot of measures. And so they're both old. I don't really care. I, I would say, I, I think there's probably only going to be three first round quarterbacks um, this time of year, especially, but even into the spring, Quarterback ADPs, according to mocks, are just inflated by, you know, half round plus most of the time because in many cases, when people are writing a one round mock, like their ADP, they want to squeeze they them in. Squeeze them in. <laughs> they want to squeeze them in. And, and if, if you're really doing any kind of mock ADP comparison, like they're mentioned and they're showing up, even if like somebody has them projected outside the first round, they're not getting a data hit for that spot, right? Like they're not showing up at all in the, in the in the ADP for that spot. So their ADP, like unless you do some significant adjusting for like volume of how often they're selected, um, it's really hard to represent their average draft position accurately, uh, where yeah. people yeah. truly rate them. Um, so yeah, I think four through six are going to be McCarthy, Penix, and Knicks, and you know they'll probably be day two picks. But right now they're late first projections. Well. Uh... Let's jump into the round two picks that I think uh, we're we're going to talk about six wide receivers going in a row here. Uh, well, wide receivers six through eleven before we go to a different position, I should say. And I could see some of these guys uh, bumping up into round one. Um, one of those guys being Xavier Worthy, another being Adonai Mitchell, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then we have Xavier Leggett, who kind of came out of nowhere. If we're being on, uh, let me let me rephrase. I hadn't heard of him this time last year. Um, all he did was like uh, lead South Carolina in uh, everything. We have Brian Thomas Jr., who's uh, the league neighbors, 
teammate. And then my boy, Troy Franklin, who honestly deserves to go in the first round. Um, and then Jalen Polk, uh, Roma Dunze's teammate. So a bunch of wide receivers there going uh, in, in the in the second round. Yeah, all, all six uh, of those wide receivers projected to go in between pick 33 right now and pick 51. Uh, really, really surprising for me with Jalen Polk. He's been rising crazy quick because he's been, uh, you know, the main beneficiary of uh, his teammate, Jalen McMillan, missing time with uh, an injury right. most of the season. Uh, Jalen McMillan's better than him, but uh, he's around three projection right now. And he was actually the reason, the reason Washington won that game. Uh, I know that uh, he was actually the most productive receiver, but he came up in big moments when they needed third down conversions, when they needed an explosive play. He was. Um, just all over the field. And so, uh, but we don't, we can get to him in round three in a second, but Jalen Polk wide receiver 11 is a little bit rich for me. Um, I think he's really good. I think he's you know a good wide receiver three at the next level, but that's not a player that you take in round two. Uh, so I think to me, he's probably going to be more like a round three player, if not round four, but a lot of people, you know, biting on how well he's done in some primetime games. And that's cool. I mean, that's, that's just a lot of people who don't dig into the the deep data stuff this time of year. Uh, they're just gonna, you know, they're gonna bite on that kind of that, that kind of project uh, production in, in kind of bigger moments. Uh, and then Xavier Leggett, and I'm just getting the negative out of the way. By the way, for me, uh, he's a year five player um, who who did basically nothing for four years. And when you get into like statistical projection, uh, year five and six signal mean basically nothing, uh, almost literally <laughs> nothing uh, when trying to you know gauge what a player will or will not be. So his profile is going to look a whole what lot. About, what uh, about Dwayne Eskridge? No, that's a great that's, <laughs> that's a great example of the same exact profile. A uh, player who did nothing yeah. until late. Um, uh, or, or like, you know, a player like Velis Jones, for example. Great, great profile. Yeah. There. Uh, Cedric Tillman was last year's darling that people wanted to get excited about. And uh, I'm not sure he's done. Is he an odd? Is he on an NFL team anymore? Like it's, it's, you know, it's just, it, I don't know, actually like the ideal player projection for this kind of profile data wise is Van Jefferson. Like that's like the ceiling. So sorry, I'm yeah. not excited to take him at pick 42 overall, uh, but Xavier Leggett living off a bunch of the early season hype where he was, you know, immensely productive then. Uh, but people kind of figured his shtick out and he's not been as crazy productive as he was for the first few weeks. So hard pass. Uh, but yeah, Xavier Worthy, Adonai Mitchell, Brian Thomas Jr., and Trey Franklin all belong in this, you know, top fifty range to me. Yeah, me too. I I, I like them all. Adonai Mitchell's had a pretty interesting career because uh, you know bounced around a little bit, but people know him from some big catches. Mm-hmm. Um, but now he kind of seems to be like, I mean, Adonai and Xavier Worthy both. I mean, they're both kind of one A, one B over at Texas. I don't, I don't think they really have a true go-to guy there. And then we we throw in um, the next player on this list, Jatavian Sanders, also from that Texas team, yeah. uh, who you know tight end two with that fifty-four spot. I think is super exciting as well. Yeah, I will say Xavier Worthy should be probably the other first rounder. Like, if there's going to be six first round picks this year. Well, Keon Coleman shouldn't be one of them, and you know Troy Franklin should be the other one probably. But all four that that I mentioned could be in the mix. But Xavier Worthy, his on-field verified athleticism is insane. Like he's always way up there on like the um, the top speed metrics. But like the stuff that they don't even publish. But I've had conversations with people who have access to the data, like the the in and out of breaks stuff, the uh, in in a variety and everything that he does. Xavier Worthy, like 
the team that has access teams that have access to all the data that they need to and make decisions with it uh they're going to be taking him somewhere in late round one for sure at the at the latest so i like it but yeah so nice start looking at your uh, nfl draft futures now folks yeah Uh, Yeah. closing out closing out round two uh you've got um some asterisks by their names because they both could be back. Mm-hmm. We mentioned Trevion Henderson off the top. So he potentially in round one here, I mean, excuse me, in round two is the RB one uh, pretty late. Uh, yeah. But this would be the latest considering he might not even be there. We might not even have a running back in, uh, in, in the first day. Uh, and then the other guy here is Carson Beck, who also uh, may be returning. Yeah, it's Carson Beck probably will make more money in college than he would going late round two. Yeah, yeah, and there's, I mean, there's no reason to be honest that he should go pro this year because like the competition for the early round uh, selections next year is much wider than it is this year, uh, even with a few of the the key names returning. Uh, and he already pro- pro- you know proved that he was kind of a top ten ish quarterback by the end of the season in college football by the meaningful metrics. Um, but that doesn't mean he's going to, after one season, get you know a team to really invest in super early capital. Right now, the you know volume adjusted kind of ADP situates him around pick fifty nine. But dude, like that's probably way earlier than he would actually go this year. Uh, come back and prove yourself again. I know that you know people want to you know Bro- Brock Vandergriff's already out of town. Gunnar Stockton, I think, is still there. I guess or uh, he may be in the portal. <laughs> I don't know. They're bringing in a- elite top tier freshman and Dylan Rayola and Ryan Puglisi. Uh, but you know, it, the job's his, like he's going to dominate again with, uh, an amazing surrounding cast. So just come back, man. Um, and Bandicrip went to Kentucky, yeah, right? He transferred to Kentucky already, which props to him for finally yeah. leaving, which he already, should have already done like at least a year ago. Um, but, Oh, that's another quarterback who got in Ryan Leary got inflated. So anyway, oh, Devin Leary. Yeah, Devin Leary. Yeah. He's one Devin, of Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, but um, Ugh. yeah, Trevion Henderson needs to be the running back one. He needs to come out because we might see like zero running backs taken in first two rounds if he doesn't come out. Um, that's not a lock, but you know maybe somebody you know gets reached for you know in his absence. But um, uh, yeah, this is already looking like this is going to be the latest like first overall running back taken since what 2014, uh, which is the Bishop Sankey, Jeremy Hill, and uh, oh man. Carlos Hyde class, I think. Uh, so as like the premier picks that year. Um, yeah. Bishop Sankey, Washington. I love it. Yeah. Um, let's uh, let's jump into round three. We've got another Georgia player here. we got a lad McConkey. He, uh, he doesn't look healthy. I'll give him that no. much, uh, but <laughs> um, I'm, I'm hoping for his sake by the time the, uh, the combine rolls around he can get going and then of course we've got trey benson up here who might now be the the rb1 i still really like trey benson uh it's a shame that he won't get to go on a little bit of a playoff run um even though you know florida state probably would have been uh destroyed by whomever they played you never know um i was a little bit upset do you remember our dark i mean our um Bold predictions episode before the college football season. I had Texas and Florida State to make the playoff. <laughs> yeah, I think we had some Just pretty juicy stuff about Trey Benson there. actually too. Uh, specifically, yeah. So, so. Uh, we've been high on him for a while. I've I've had him since freshman year in a couple spots. Um, just w- when he was with your Ducks, <laughs> just because uh, he was yep. he was a really fun speedster. Even coming in, not the highest 
pedigree recruit, but I was really uh, high on his potential. And man, that seems to have panned out. He and Braylon Allen, which are both the round three projections, are uh, and running back modeling is a little tricky. It means less than it does at wide receiver. It means less than even like quarterback and wide uh, and tight end, just uh, by like production metrics anyway. Uh, but both of them are like 90th percentile ish kind of uh, projections anyway. So it's a lot better than you might think for, you know, a class that we are calling it a down uh, running back class. But uh, in, in my model, like that uh, kind of builds out uh, 15, 16 different variables and creates, uh, you know, kind of a, a, a percentile grade for these players. You know, they're still really solid uh, running backs. And so I, I think uh, there's every bit an argument for Trey Benson to be running back one in the class or Braylon Allen even if Trayvon uh, Tra- Henderson is in the mix. Uh, so, yeah, Trey Benson right now is projected to be pick 71. Overall, Ladd McConkie, you mentioned him, pick 68. Um, I can just jump down to Braylon Allen. He's he's projected to be pick 88 right now. But I think especially if Trayvon Henderson does not join the class, both of those guys, uh, excuse me, both of those guys could be earlier picks. Yeah, yeah, that would make a lot of sense. Uh, someone will someone will want a running back at some point. Yeah, <laughs> so, um, yeah. Oh my goodness, uh, Malika Corley, guy that I know from uh, college DFS, uh, Western Kentucky. Don't watch much of the Hilltoppers, and then Roman Wilson. Who, speaking of DFS, man, to start off the year, he was a touchdown machine. Uh, I remember a couple of uh, multi-score games that really uh, helped me out, and then Devontae Walker, who you mentioned earlier, who uh, was robbed. The first couple games of the season. The first couple games. How's that for nonsensical language? Yeah. <laughs> he missed some of the season um, because the NCAA is a joke. Uh, but but these are some of these guys that are um, going in that top ninety, uh, as well as Jalen McMillan, who you mentioned earlier at the wide receiver position. Yeah. So, so um, by the way. Malika Corley probably a guy that less people have heard of than these other guys. Yeah, Malachi Corley, I mean, he was super productive, like hyper-productive a year ago, uh, less so a little bit this year. Uh, but I think if, if you're going to take a G5 wide receiver uh, in round three, Corley is just like, he's built. like he, He's pretty thick. Like He's uh, almost built like a running back at the wide receiver position. Uh, so I think a team is going to take a chance on his build and athleticism. Uh, and he actually got a, his uh, senior bowl invite already. So he's got a, a prime opportunity to kind of star for that week. Uh, and we'll, we'll talk about more senior ball stuff later, but uh, as it approaches, but it, it's good to see him get like a, like a G five group of five conference wide receiver, get that senior bowl invite. Uh, Cause those are, it's really competitive to get, get a uh, senior bowl invite any year. And for a smaller school wide receiver to do it, that's really promising. And Roman Wilson, I mean, his, his whole sale is 4.3740, that kind of speed. Uh, but Devontae Walker and Jalen McMillan, I think are too low. Uh, right now they're slotted in at wide receiver 15 and wide receiver 16. I think either one uh, could go and probably should go uh, round two this year. Devontae Walker basically made the year for UNC when he joined uh, the fold this, this past season. Uh, he he kind of slowed down uh, down the stretch, but uh, his first three games went six catches, six catches, 11 catches. And over those first three games had four touchdowns. Like he had seven touchdowns uh, on the season uh, in just uh, eight games, really impressive. A couple like 130, I think three 130 yard plus receiving performances, uh, just beasted. Uh, so I really am high on Devontae Walker and Jalen McMillan. Man, like coming into the year, we weren't like absolutely. I mean, it was consensus that Odunze was better, but 
it wasn't completely clear that Jalen McMillan wasn't as good as Roma Dunze. And so uh, him being pick 89 consensus right now is a little low. And to this point, by the way, we have 28. Uh, we've already covered 28 players. <laughs> uh, so we're like through like right. two rounds and change, like fringe, you know, second round rookie pick, probably projectable type players at this point. Uh, we've covered, uh, I think, seven quarterbacks, probably six because Beck's probably not coming back. Uh, 15, 16 wide right. receivers and only three, <laughs> three running backs. That just kind of tells you uh, where the value is uh, in this year's class. Although, uh, uh, let's talk about these next three running backs. They don't go in order, but they're in this round three range in this top 100. Let's talk about Will Shipley, Blake Corum, and Bucky Irving. Yeah. All had um, very productive seasons. Bucky Irving, I mean, outside of that championship game, I think was unbelievable every year. Blake Corum just can't not score touchdowns. Um, and Will Shipley has to play in Clemson, so poor guy. But if Trevion Henderson isn't in this class, and um, talking about it from a strictly from a fantasy football perspective, one or two of these guys is probably going to end up in a decent spot that we get excited about. And I could see them going higher in fa- like a lot higher in fantasy football drafts than, you know, late round two or early round three. Yeah, and I, I could see them going higher, and I'm not super sold that any of them actually go in uh, in day two either. Like you know, like they're in that range where right, right. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to bet which no. one it is. Uh, yeah, exactly. But. but like they've they've all had a really nice peak moments. Like Will Shipley is kind of that that do it all back that has shown he can be an effective runner, but like a really solid receiver. Um, and he's got okay size. Like the, you know, the comp for obvious reasons was Christian McCaffrey for a little bit, but he's not going to be that player. But uh, I think he's. What are the obvious reasons? Uh, what are the obvious reasons? Like he's almost exactly two hundred pounds <laughs> as a prospect than a white dude. But uh, yeah, just, just to call I mean, it that's out. I mean that's why people were doing that. that's why that's why they're saying it. Yeah. But uh, and Blake Corum yeah. obviously he had his completely absurd uh, Heisman Heisman kind of campaign last year. He never should have been in the conversation, but he was scoring a lot of uh, a lot of touchdowns last year. He did it again this year. Uh, has a really fun nose for the end zone, despite his slight undersize uh, for someone who typically does that. Um, you know, was the only bright spot in the rushing attack. Donovan Edwards failed miserably uh, for Michigan this year, but Bucky Irving, he was an amazingly efficient weapon. What were his numbers again? It was like, I mean, seven and a half, eight yards per touch for most of the year on like yes, a feature back did. workload. So uh, he would be my yeah. bet, even though he's a little smaller. Uh, he could be that player that just kind of like Devin a, uh, Devon A. Chain, like most people are like, oh, he's way too small. He's not going to go early. It's like, no, you're drunk. This guy's ridiculously good. Um, yeah. You know, so I think he probably does stick in that round three range. Um, Someone should want him on their team within yes. the first three rounds uh, exactly. just because of what it could be. There's two tight ends in this uh, range as well. We've got Cade Stover, who I have somehow in every – um, college to Canton League this year. Yeah. Um, and then Ben Sinnott from uh, Kansas State. Decent fallback options if you miss out on Brock Bowers or Jatavian Sanders. Yeah, I mean, Kate uh, Stover is really fun. He's just like the, like, he's that kind of player that every kind of uh, analyst is going to love because, like, he checks some uh, at least minimum threshold, like, data boxes for the analytics staffers, but then he's also like a converted linebacker. So like the real old school football lines are going to love him too. So he's just like that guy that will punch you in the mouth uh, and also catch the ball. 
so he's going to be a fun kind of tight end three candidate in this class. And so I think he's probably the consensus tight end three for a lot of people already, but that's probably where he lands behind Brock Bowers and JT Sanders. And right now the data says that as well. Ben Sinat already has his uh, senior bowl invite. Um, he's probably going to be one of the best uh, tight ends at the senior bowl. Uh, and so he's going to probably make a bunch of money uh, at the senior bowl and probably lock in his round three status as well. Um, so really like both of them. And so I think that it, it, this late day two range is probably pretty solid. Like we saw like nine tight ends go in the first three rounds last year, which was, I think, an NFL record. That's right. Uh, we're nuts, not going to see that this year. Nuts and nuts. Not going to happen. But these two are at least interesting. Yeah, no, that's cool. Um, where to, oh, we've got one wide receiver still up here. Yeah. I, you, you mentioned him earlier and I almost le- left him. Okay. Uh, we've got Johnny Wilson who, I don't know. I feel like, um, that is the most Florida state name of all time. Johnny Wilson. He does sound like he plays wide receiver for Florida state or, um, you know, uh, for Arizona state, uh, which is where he was before. Like I remember him coming in as a freshman and thinking, holy cow, this guy's like a, a monster. There's no way he, he's got to be a tight end. Because uh, he was a six seven, you know, he wanted to be a wide receiver, but he was six seven. I'm like, there's no way you're a wide receiver. But um, that that's why a lot of people actually in the off season had him as a uh, uh, first round projection, it, despite actually outproducing in many in many cases Keon Coleman, who is the first round lock projection. His his draft stock has actually fallen. He was uh he was like an early round two projection by consensus to open the season, and despite outproducing his first round cohort. Uh, or teammate, rather. I don't even know where that came from. Teammate, Keon Coleman, doesn't matter. Uh, he's dropped a full round and change in consensus, which is I find really weird. I know he missed some time with, with injury or whatever, but uh, he didn't have a bad year at all. Um, so I think this it, he was too high for me. Like when I did um, a mock draft uh, back in April or May or whatever it was, uh, I, I was like right dead on right here, like end of round three. Like that projection made sense even though people were trying to squeeze him in and into round one at the time. And then people finally were like, oh, okay. Yeah. He's, he's friends day three talent. He's a weird projection because of size. Um, but yeah, this is probably where he fits like wide receiver 17 ish in the class, you know, 15 to 18 range. That, that makes sense to me. Yeah. Oh, that sounds good. We have about uh, 10 minutes left, five minutes left somewhere in there. And we are now outside the top 100 who are some names? I mean, there's a, I, I'm looking at the list here. There's a couple names that are really interesting to me. So do you mind if I just jump around in no particular do order? Because yeah. let's let's talk quarterback. Jordan Travis, ugh, disappointing injury and uh, really really frustrating for that whole um, yeah. that whole team that they get left out because of it. They should have just lied. Always lie. That's the lesson. <laughs> Michael lie. Pratt is the uh, Michael Pratt is the other one I want to hear about because um, he could have transferred to a huge school yeah. and made a shit ton of money and is mm-hmm. is not doing that. So interested to hear your thoughts on these guys. Yeah. So Jordan Travis, if he was not injured, I think he would be a kind of a fringe round free projection or you know inside round three almost for sure. Uh, he was like a top fifteen ish end of season by the numbers that matter kind of player in the country. I know for a long yeah. time he was in the Heisman mix. Didn't really kind of finish uh, it really at, at that point numbers wise where he needed to be, but man, he, he had two or three seasons before this one where he was like 85th percentile or higher, uh, higher by like just his passing metrics. And then you mix in his, his mobility uh, and then he was really fun. So 
I think if, if a team uh, looks at what he's done uh, as a collective body of work, they're going to say, okay, he's definitely worth around four, around five kind of selection. I don't see him working into day two, but I think early day three is still in the mix despite his, his injury. That's cool. Uh, you'll remember that he was uh, drafted on all of my teams because I was super high on him going into the year. Uh, who are some of these other oh, guys that you, oh, you want to talk Holy about? Crap, you just, uh, yeah, my, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, Pratt. Yeah, so he's one, uh, you know, by G5 standards, he's like a top five-ish player this year. He started off not with a bunch of volume, um, but uh, finished the year strong enough to be like a top five G5 player at the position. I know a lot of people wanted to assume that, that by the metrics or by whatever measure, he should be the, the clear number one. That wasn't actually the case this year. There were really, there was, there was a handful of really good G five quarterbacks this year. Like Jordan McLeod is transferring out of James Madison. Uh, he was like the right. number two. Caden Salter's returning, returning to Liberty. They had a soft schedule, but uh, by his uh, production profile, he was like the number one uh, by a huge margin among all G five passers. Preston stone's really good. Joey Aguilar for App State actually was really good this year. Uh, I think he probably lands on some roster. We actually talked to, about him on the Ready Bad Action crossover. So I, That's right. Pratt wasn't like the clear runaway, just obvious slam dunk. Oh my gosh, he's the best G five quarterback ever. Blah blah blah. And, you know, so it, he's just he's a day three guy. Uh, that's just what it is. So he's he's going to go get some decent rookie money and whatever. But I don't think he's actually. And a lot of the, I think what he would have made in college is probably overstated. And so he's just going to go get paid. Get, you think yeah, so? get that day three money and, and yeah. lock it up, man. Cause he's, he's, he, he knows he's good enough. He got the senior bowl invite, um, which is hard. He'll, to do. And he'll stick around in the league. Yeah. He'll stick yeah, he'll around in the league for a long time, yeah. but he's not going to start. You'll be the next chase Daniel. Yeah, he's not going to start. That's okay. <laughs> who, who are some other names that you want to talk about on this list? There's a couple of other running backs. I mean, we, we've talked at this point about 17, wide receivers yeah. and only six running backs. So <laughs> maybe, oh, maybe man. we talk about a, a couple of them. Yeah. Uh, Audric Estime from Notre Dame, who had a really hot, hot start. Marshawn Lloyd, uh, who transferred from South Carolina to the other USC. To the um, real he just USC. got his senior bowl invite. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, Devin Neal, I like Devin Neal, uh, Kansas yeah. football. Come on now. But none of these guys are like, uh, I'm, none of these guys I feel super confident about. Yeah, Devin Neal, though, man. Oh, like even splitting time with uh, Highshaw or whatever his name is uh, at Kansas, uh, he still had like a 97th kind of percentile season this year. Um, so analytically speaking, again, running backs, it's weaker signal-wise there, but uh, he checks all the boxes. And so for me, I, I would be surprised if, he's, if he goes anywhere outside around four. It's just absolute stealing. Uh, but I could see him being one of those players that rises up into round three conversations as like uh, a lot of people's favorite guy uh, from a film standpoint uh, and analytical standpoint and in combination and tandem. That's my favorite kind of player. And he, he looks like that kind of, kind of guy. Um, and so and Marshawn Lloyd, I think he's probably a fringe round three guy as well. I mean, he's like uh, consensus, like top 120 ish kind of range. Um, you know, we, we were really high on him and his potential coming in. He just got injured. And so I'm not sure if we saw the best version of him at any point until this past season for USC. And there were so many negative things surrounding USC and their defense that he kind of got overlooked at times, but he was, he came up and, you know, showed that he was the best running back in that backfield immediately and wowed uh, on occasion. And so it looked like the Marshall Lloyd of old. 
So he's probably, you know, round four player, but he could be that guy that rises up and uh, somebody takes a shot on at the end of round three. But the, the most confident player I would say ends up being around three is Audric Estime, just because of what he did uh, this season. Uh, he kind of took over a lot of key games for Notre Dame. Uh, even when their pass game wasn't working, he was kind of just dragging defenders with him and just destroying people in between the tackles. And, uh, you know, the Arthur Smith, Arthur Smith is going to find a way to draft him and, uh, <laughs> and give carries yes. to him instead of B. John Robinson next year. That's, that's just going to happen. And trade B. John Robinson away for a fourth round pick. <laughs> yes. yes, exactly. So something like that. Yeah. Um, one dude that we should talk about because he is a former CU buff, uh, Brendan Rice, wide receiver for USC, um, just declared. He's related to somebody good, right? Jerry Rice. Yeah. Yeah. He came on strong this year um, after he was at USC last yeah. year, too, and didn't do a whole lot. And uh, really came on this year with, um, you know, that opening kind of uh, depth chart there and uh, yeah. put together a couple of pretty solid games. He had a couple of multi-touchdown games himself. So uh, good, good for him. And it will be interesting to see where he ends up. Yeah. Uh, San Francisco 49ers, of course. That's a weird profile for him, too. I mean, like he could be somebody that, that rises up and like, oh, my gosh, he's taking round two. And that that's not surprising because he had such a weird profile. He's a son of a Hall of Famer, like the best wide receiver of all time for a lot of people. Like Jer- Jerry Rice is your dad. Uh, and you you transfer out of Colorado to yeah. go play at USC. Um, and in a year where you're supposed to be surpassed by the uh, incoming transfer in Dorian Singer and, and the, the totem pole of targets, and you're not. Like you, you pretty much hold on to that wide receiver one role for USC. Uh, and he was just kind of Caleb's go-to guy. Like he had 12 receiving touchdowns this year, which is crazy. Like his... His market share numbers um, from a yardage standpoint, not great, but uh, he's just, all he did was score touchdowns. And so like in a year where we wanted to root for Dorian Singer or Mario Williams, Mario Williams, even like people who love Taj Washington on that team. Nope. Just Brendan Rice, just balling out every single week and had like, you know, a couple of different streaks of four, like I think four touchdowns, four touchdowns uh, throughout the year. Like, it was kind of crazy what he was doing. So I wouldn't be surprised. He just declared this week, I think as of this recording, I think just today. So um, yeah, he's going to be probably uh, getting a little boost just because he recently declared in, in mock drafts. So right now, wide receiver 19, but that's probably a little low. Yeah, uh, I'll be excited to see where that goes. Uh, anyone else before we, uh, we close up shop here, a little over an hour? Yeah. Um, a lot of players we've talked yeah. about. Anyone that you want to be sure to squeeze in before we get out? Jaheim Bell is a weird profile because he's undersized. Uh, Florida State, yeah, Florida State tight end who is like more like an H back slash tight end slash running back slash wide receiver. He's just he's a weird projection. He reminds me a lot of uh, actually Delaney Walker because like how the Titans use Delaney Walker. Like Delaney Walker was wasted when he was with the 49ers, but when he actually went to the Titans, they used him like in this uh, H back tight end wide receiver role. He'd get some end rounds for touchdowns and stuff like that. And how Florida State actually used Jaheim Bell this year, uh, and so to me. That's worth, like, you know, the Swiss Army Knife tight end player that's just a tough matchup. That's worth, like, a round three pick. And right now he's just outside the top 100 tight end five consensus by the mock draft data. And so I think that's – tight end five may be where he belongs. Tight end four maybe. Um, but, yeah, he, he's somebody that's intriguing to me. Uh, Torrey Horton, Colorado State, uh, is wide receiver 18 just ahead of Brendan Rice. And to, to me, he, he did some crazy good things for them. Uh, it was basically their – they're everything uh, when 
Dallin Holker, their tight end, wasn't catching the ball too um, at times. So throughout his entire career at Colorado State, he was pretty productive. And so I, I do like him. Ricky Pearsall made some ridiculous catches uh, for Florida State um, at times, but just you know, he, he's kind of the the steady Eddie, but uh, you know, like discount Lad McConkie, I guess. Um, yeah, but uh, you know, he's he's wide receiver twenty, and then Jacob Cowling, Arizona wide receiver twenty one. And I found it interesting that uh, Jermaine Burton, uh, you know, he's been hyped up in Debbie fantasy football circles for a while, uh, but wide receiver 22 by the mock draft data right now, because uh, he was really splashy in big plays and, and isolated moments for Bama earlier in the year, kind of found a little bit of consist- consistency down the stretch, but Bama just wasn't passing enough to make his production profile kind of crazy from a raw standpoint, or even how they distribute targets, like from a, a you know market share standpoint, it wasn't perfect either. Uh, at any point throughout his career. Uh, so he's just an interesting, weird projection. He probably gets round three draft capital because of his helmet and he played for Alabama. But um, yeah, to me, wide receiver 22 actually sounds fair when I think of the guys ahead of him. But the sky's the limit uh, up to this point. Like the, when you get below this uh, round and, and a tier of player in this class, like I think we've already talked about 48 different <laughs> players uh, that are going to be in the 2024 class. And he's the last one. But I think he, he has the upside to be a wide receiver one in the right spot, a, a bad wide receiver one in the NFL, but <laughs> good enough to be fantasy relevant for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I do think, you know, he go, gets in the right spot. He could be one of those guys like, man, why, why did he go behind so many other players? Because he's absolutely fantastic. Oh, and Ray, Ray Davis. Sorry, I forgot to mention him out of Kentucky. His profile was like second in the entire nation. Can't not mention him. So. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't he have like a six touchdown game this year or something yeah, crazy? He's, he's pretty good. <laughs> like he was good at Vanderbilt. Yeah. <laughs> he was good for three teams. He was good for Temple and then Vanderbilt and then Kentucky. Like that's that's hard to do. Good for him. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. It's a good journey right there. Well, that is awesome. Yeah. As Travis said, you include the dudes we talked about, the transfer portal. We've got over 50 players here that we've talked about tonight. So good stuff. Uh, unfortunately, there's no more regular season college football for us to watch. Uh, we do get to still enjoy the NFL, though, and uh, we have Army-Navy tomorrow. Woohoo! Uh, but we have some bowl <laughs> games that we'll talk about, even if there's not a whole lot of action. Um, and then, of course, the playoff just around the corner. So still lots of football to come our way. Travis, thank you so much. Uh, always great chatting football with you. Um, and I'm sure our listeners got a, a lot of insight on a lot of great players here. So thank you all so much for listening. Until next week. I'm Stefan Leco. He's Travis May. Talk to you soon. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance.
Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.